I know that she kind of covered it with that first answer. I think really covered our bases. But any do what? <laughs> so what? What did you say again? What was what was it over here that not fail to not fail? Um, yeah, I, yeah. The dictionary defines it as this: is to attain a desired object or end. So really closest to what Jordan said. Um, Benjamin Franklin once said, "To succeed." Oh, wow. Okay. To succeed, jump as quickly at opportunities as you do at conclusions. So. Um, a few years ago, I, I feel like I think I kind of come to a realization that I have an obsession with trying to succeed, um, trying to be, in in a way, almost like worrying about whether or not I'm going to succeed or be good at something. Uh, I, I watched my parents growing up struggle. They didn't have a lot. Um, in fact, I didn't know this as a kid, but I know this now. When my uncle would come over, he would come over with like in the wintertime with his coat, a big heavy coat on, and it would be full of like frozen meat. And he would put it in the freezer because we didn't have any food. I mean, as a kid, you don't know these things. You know, you don't, you're not aware of that. Just like you just thought he was coming over for a visit. You didn't know he was stocking the freezer for you, you know. And, and, and I remember as I got older, seeing my parents argue about money, argue about, you know, bills and all kinds of things. Just because they, and they struggled to, to have success. You know, my, my dad, you know, took him several years before he became very successful at his job as a, as a floor layer, you know. Um, same thing for, for my stepmom. Started working as an aide in the schools, and it took her a long time before she got really successful and, and where, she's, where, where someone would look at her job and her role now and say, you've reached a point of success in that. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if that's anything that you can relate to or not. Do you ever feel like you worry about whether or not you're going to be good at something or whether or not you're going to be successful do you ever worry about, um, you know, whether you're going to get into a good college one day, whether you're going to get good grades? I, I, I know, as we talked earlier, you don't worry about homework at all, so you, no worries on that front. <clears throat> like, what's homework, you know? But do you ever feel a sense of maybe stress? or pressure about doing good at something, being good at a sport, being good at math, being good at, you know, being a good person. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I worry about those things. I mean, I worry about whether or not I'm a good dad or whether I'm a good husband. I know I'm a good husband. No. <laughs> um, I worry about whether, I, you know, I'm... I'm going to be the best I can be at my job as a pastor or just as a, as a friend and as a person. Um, and I don't know if these are things that you think about or you can relate to this or not. But I have found myself oftentimes desiring to succeed and wanting to do great things in my life. And I don't believe that that's a bad thing. That's not, that's not a bad thing. Thinking about your future, whether or not you're going to go to a good school or whether or not you're going to get good grades and, and, and pass, you know... Uh, high school or past the 7th grade or past the 8th grade, those are not bad things, right? That's, in fact, many, many would say that that would be a moment of success. That's progress. That's moving forward in your life. Um, ex exactly. That, that is momentum. Unless you take the 7th grade like five times. That would not be momentum. Yeah. 
Sorry, buddy. Repeating the 10th grade a few times. Probably not the definition of momentum and success. The struggle is, though, is, is that we run the risk of falling into a particular temptation. We've been talking about temptation, and we run the risk of falling into a temptation because there's going to come a time one day in your life where you want something bad enough, whether it be success, whether it be to get good grades, to get uh, a new cell phone, new Xbox, you know, I mean, something that you're going to want bad enough in your life that you might be willing in a moment or an opportunity that you have to compromise to compromise what's important or what you believe in to get further ahead or to get whatever that is. To trade in the important for the immediate gratification or for uh, the immediate feeling of success. Um, for example, you know, you want to get a higher GPA or you want to get better test SAT scores, so you might be tempted to find a way to cheat. I don't know if, they even, if it's even possible to cheat off of on the SAT scores or not. You know, I mean, for those of you who have taken them recently, would it be possible to cheat off somebody sitting next to you? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I figured that's how you got the... I'm looking at Colin Brooke because I figured... I figured that's how they got into college to begin with, is they cheated on their SATs. No. Is it, would it be, Trevor, would it be possible to cheat? No, okay. Well, I mean, you know, okay, maybe not, maybe not on the SATs, but maybe on some other test. You know, you, it's definitely possible to cheat on your math test or your, you know, English test. Or uh, what about in a relationship with somebody? You compromise in some way to, to get further ahead in that relationship. I was thinking about just simply the idea of making friends where we are tempted to, you know, trade in the important for that immediate feeling of, of having friends, feeling popular, feeling like people like us. And so we lie about who we really are. We're not, we're not ourselves. Maybe we lie about going to church or being a Christian because we want people to like us or we want to fit in and we want to be a part of that group. Maybe you're tempted to lie to your parents because they don't want you to go somewhere they don't want to ha- you to hang out with a particular group of people, but you do. And so you trade in these values or what's important for that immediate sense of gratification or that immediate sense of success or whatever, you know, that, that immediate feeling that you're looking for. Um, you know, it, it, it kind of comes back to something we talked about a few weeks ago. There's this idea that there are a lot of things out there that we want in life that aren't necessarily bad. But maybe having them in that moment is not the way God intended for, for us to have them. And the best thing that I can think of at this point in your life is the idea of, of sex. Sex is not a bad thing. This time I meant to say that word. I'm like, Brooke, back there, I don't know what you're talking about. No, you know, it's not a bad thing, but right now in your life, the idea of sex before marriage is a sin. Adultery, lust, those things are, those things are sin. That's trading in the important or our morality or our are our values for an immediate gratification. And I believe that if you've never been faced with a moment like this, that eventually you will be, um, perhaps soon or perhaps later. Okay, I was going to say, that was... So, we're going to look at the last temptation of Jesus. And if you have it, Matthew chapter 4, we've looked at the first one where he was... Tempted to turn 
bread or stones into bread. The second one where he was tempted to jump off a very tall place and see if God would catch him uh, or God would send the angels to catch him. And so, verses 8 and 9. It says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. So Satan basically tells Jesus, hey, if you are willing to just bow down before me in this moment, bow down, I will, with my authority, I will give you power over all of this. I will give you authority in all the, in all the kingdoms. You will, you will have all this. It will be yours. And, and I think it's easy to look at this and kind of wonder, why is this even a temptation? Why is this even a temptation? This is, isn't that what Jesus came for in the first place? I mean, to have authority over, over the heavens and the earth. I mean, didn't Scripture talk about Jesus having authority over the heavens and the earth and all that? Um, if you look in Genesis and you read the story of Adam and Eve, you will find that God told Adam, everything under heaven and earth is under your authority. So this idea of authority over heavens and earth is something that starts in the very, very beginning. Very beginning. It says, I have created you and everything else, and it's all under you. I mean, can you imagine this? Being Adam and, and God telling you that. And, and it's like, what happens is that God does this and he says, I have this great task for you, Adam. You need to name the animals now. Huh, well, I got some time between a man and the garden out here. And, and uh, because at this point, Eve's not around, so Adam's got all the time in the world. You know, nobody, nobody telling him what to do or what to wear. Or, yeah, no honeydew lists in the, in the Garden of Eden there. No bird feeders to hang or anything like that. Um, sorry, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't. You made Trevor do it, so I, I didn't even have to do it. Um, anywho, um, you know, and, and, and so he gives him this task of naming the animals. I mean, can you imagine this? The, the mosquito goes by and he's like, yeah, we'll call it a mosquito or a fly. Like, that's a fly. And and I can just I can just see this in my mind like the fly goes by and he's like let's call that a fly and God's like oh you are going to have to be more creative than this we got a lot more animals and that's how we ended up with the duck billed platypus, platypus you know I mean it's like creativity just came out of where's the what yeah exactly is is there such a thing I mean there's not as far as I know right duck billed platypus we were wondering if there was just a regular platypus it's like where's Perry. Okay, just making sure. A few of you, a few of you got that. Um, anyways, all of the authority was under man's all of authority was under man's authority at this point. And when man sinned, wow, you all right? Those two are going to need to be separated. They can't. I know. Do you need a helmet? <laughs> Anyways. Platypus, yeah. When man sinned, the authority, and, and, and man changed sides, the authority, the idea of the authority, uh, it, it changes there as well. So we see that Satan comes in, he tricks Adam and Eve, and, and it's, so when, when he, you know, the, the, the idea of man changing sizes from, from being, you know, 
in fellowship with God to no longer being in fellowship with God, broken fellowship with God, um, when then this moment with Jesus and, and Satan, so when he says, I have the power to give you all this authority, Jesus didn't say, no you don't, it's mine. He didn't argue with him about it. He, he understood that, yeah, you do have the authority right now. But I have come, Jesus came, to take that authority back. Because of our sin, we needed Jesus to come to get the authority back. And what I find intriguing about this is that the very same thing that Jesus came here for, which was to get that authority back, is what Satan tempts him with. I mean, I, this, you're not going to ever be tempted by this, this same thing, to have the authority of the heavens and earth. I mean, that's not going to happen. But there's going to come a day when you're tempted by something that you really want to have. Right now, it would be a raincoat if you were outside. Or an umbrella. Or a really strong awning. You know, that is wicked loud. You'll be alright, I promise. You know, you're going to be tempted by something that you really want to have. And that's what happened right here with Satan. Satan tempted Jesus with something that was already his to begin with, but not something that he had at the moment, something that he would have wanted. He says, you can have this authority of the heavens and earth. All you have to do is bow down to me. And think about it this way. If he would have done that, he wouldn't have had to go to the cross. He wouldn't have had to die. He wouldn't have had to experience all that pain, being whipped, being spit on, the crown of thorns. I mean, he would have done all of that without any of that. Yet, he did, he does again. This is very distracting. Just as he did the last two weeks we've talked about temptation, he reaches back to the history and the story of Israel. And I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as I can because this is driving me nuts with all this rain. Um, where is it? Okay. Yeah, I didn't read any actual verses from Genesis, but I'm about to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6 if you want to go there. Because, essentially, what I was saying is that you're going to be tempted by something that you really want to have. Jesus would have wanted to not have to suffer. I mean, I don't know about you, but if you were Jesus, you would probably be thinking, in your humanness, Pastor Mark talked about that on Sunday, about how Jesus was fully human, and He experienced a lot of the same things that we do in our thoughts. I would think that you would not want to be whipped. You would not want to be beaten. You know, you, you would want to... to Find a way out of that if, you, if there was a way out of that. I mean, even to the very night before all that, he's praying, you know, if there's another way, you know, if there's another way. Um, but he reaches back into this history of Israel and he pulls out this, this story, um, again, to, to show Satan that he, he's just barking up the wrong tree, basically. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 and 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of goods, good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olives, olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
Again, he's reminding the people of Israel not to forget about God. Not to, not to forget about God. He's, he's reminding them that, hey, you have been brought through the desert. You were brought out of slavery. And God has provided for you. He's taken care of you. He's taken care of every detail. Now, now that you have the things that you need and, and you have you know, your houses, your food, your, your cars. They didn't have cars, but you get where I'm going. You know, your, your camels and your whatever. You know, now that you have all that, don't forget about God. Who, pro- who provided all these things for you that you didn't grow, that you didn't, you, didn't, you didn't produce, you didn't take care of. And it's possible that maybe one day we're going to find ourselves in a situation where we need something or we want something. And the temptation is to trade in what's important so we don't have to go through the process. We don't have to go through the pain of getting there, of working for it, so that we can have it immediately. Like... Maybe you're applying for a scholarship for school. Maybe you're trying to pass a test or you're writing a book report or you're, you know, you're tempted to cheat on a test or uh, to, to make up stuff for, for your paper or to plagiarize. I don't know if you've ever been tempted to plagiarize. I think I was tempted a lot in college to plagiarize. Part of that was because I didn't correctly know how to quote other people. But nonetheless, tempted to plagiarize. You know, and, and we get in these places where Satan brings stuff in front of us that seems like it's the best possible way to go in that moment. But it's not what God has for us. It's not what God wants for us. It's the idea of trading in the important for the immediate. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy 6.13. This is what Moses is saying to the people of Israel. He says, Fear the Lord, fear the Lord your God. Serve Him only. And take your oaths in his name. Jesus, when he's talking to Satan in Matthew, says it this way. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended to him. Do you know what Jesus wanted more than he wanted all the kingdoms of the earth? And, and more than he wanted all, all, all else, all the other things in this world? He wanted unbroken fellowship with God. He wanted to have a perfect relationship with God the Father. And what he got in the end was he got the authority over the kingdoms of the earth and over heaven and unbroken fellowship with God. When we are tempted to sacrifice the important for the immediate, we end up with neither. We, we, we get nothing in the end. We, we, don't, we, we break the fellowship with God. And we lose that relationship with Jesus. Um, so what is it that you want so bad? I mean, think about that for a second. What is something that you really want? Maybe it's uh, maybe it really is a new Xbox or a new PlayStation or a new car or, a, or just a car. Um, or a, a new grill or new golf clubs. Maybe those last two are just me. But um, new... Uh, you know, new something, a new, you know. Tempur-Pedic, maybe you want a Tempur-Pedic bed so bad that whatever it is, maybe it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something. Did you just point at him when I said that? 
terrible. Maybe, maybe he wants a different girlfriend. Maybe she's, he wants to trade her in for a better model. You know, those, that's the area where you're going to be most tempted to trade in the important for the immediate. That's that moment where the place where Satan is going to get in and try to tempt you in some way. Um, and try to throw you off your game. Uh, a few years ago, a good friend of mine called me up one day and said, and he, he was in this relationship with this really awesome girl. She was very nice. She was pretty. She had a lot going for her. Um, they seemed like the perfect couple. And, okay, she was like a C minus in the girl category. Allison is like a, a plus, 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 plus. Exactly, okay. So she was an all right girl. She's kind of homely looking. But but it was, it was the best he could do, all right? That's what I'm trying to say. And yeah, she was practically homeless, lived under a bridge. She had a big mole, a wart that hung off her face, a beard. But anyways, they, were made, they made a great couple. But he calls me up. They were both Christians. And he says, man, I have got to break up with this girl. And it just totally threw me. I was like, there's no, no way, you know, you're... And, and he's kind of weird about stuff like that. He, he's just, he really has trouble making up his mind about life in general. I mean, he's been in the military like three times. He just doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. And, and you know, uh, he, he was an electrician once and then something else another week, you know. And so uh, he's kind of going through all the careers that you can have. And, um, and so I just didn't believe him. But he, as he's talking to me about it and he says, you know, I really think God is bringing me to this place where I've got to break up with this girl. I was like, all right. And uh, shortly after that, he, he really did. He broke up with her and, and, uh, because he believed that was where God was leading him. Um, and shortly after that, he met somebody else who was an amazing person for him. Now they're married and they um, have a family and, and God is doing incredible things through their life. And Ian? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Like Although that was probably pretty true for my life too. <laughs> Um, she, she's like a B minus, you know. Just kind of. Is it a C minus? Did you say B or D? B. B. Was with a C minus? Yeah. He he's moving up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, this was a moment where he he could have been tempted because he he had a girl, you know. She probably would have married him, you know. I don't know how his life would have turned out, but I'm sure things would have probably been sort of okay. You know, being married to a troll lives under a bridge. I don't know how that's going to go well for it, you know. But he could have been tempted to trade in what he believed God was telling him to do for that immediate gratification, and he didn't, and now his life is so much better as a result of doing what God was telling him to do. And all I'm trying to say is that in those moments, you find out very quickly who you are. And what kind of relationship you have with God. Whether or not you are, you, in a sense, really belong to Him. Whether your heart and your mind and, and your soul belong to Him. Because that's what's at stake. I mean, in, in a sense, in those moments. Uh, can I give an example? Yeah. There's a movie, The Family Man. I don't know if you've watched it. But the Is it a new movie or an old movie? It's 
Because I feel like. Okay, I feel like I. I he like listen. goes into a life with a girlfriend that he wasn't with anymore, and in this other life, they're married and have all these kids. He's got these two kids in a house and all that. Anyway, he is like really wanting to be successful and rich like he was in the previous life, but also he's starting to really like her and the kids' idea too. Mm. And he says something to his wife about, I want a life that others envy. And she looked at him, and it, she was, like, at peace and, you know, really happy with him. And he was, you know, just always wanting more and more and more success. And she just said, they already do. They already yeah. look at, you know, them as a successful couple and yeah. a nice family and all that. And I think that that can be what happens with us as Christians, too, that... People can want more and more, but other people are lacking that. Their parents don't let them go to a youth group, or they don't have friends that are Christians, or they don't have a youth pastor to, you know, do life with, and they're envious of you, whether you see it or not. Yeah. I, I think my greatest hope for you would be that in those moments where you're tempted, that you would put the idea of wanting so badly to not break that fellowship with God, to not lose that relationship, to have that peace, to have that... I really believe that there's a peace that comes from having unbroken fellowship with God. And whether other people recognize it as that or not, they, are in, they would be envious of that. I mean, I, you, when you see people who are totally at peace all the time, it's hard not to be jealous of those people. And I, would, I, I believe that, that we can truly have that when we don't break the fellowship with God. Um, and we talked about this throughout this whole series, that God can be trusted. In those moments of temptation, we just need to remember that God can be trusted. He is big enough to deal with our problems. He is where we get peace from. And He is who we need to run to in those moments. Um, so let's pray really quick, and then we're going to go down and play um, something. Huh?